This episode is brought to you by Graffiti Beauty and Barber, serving up the dopest cuts and colors in Southeast Idaho. Anytime I need a haircut, lineup, hair dye, whatever you name it, I go to Graffiti Beauty and Barber. They take care of me and have been taking care of me for years. I recently dyed my hair and I am so in love with my hair. You guys need to check them out. The stylists there are great. The barbers are great. They offer all sorts of service and their customer service is top tier. So get a hold of them at 208-356-0044. That's 208-356-0044 or follow their social medias. And we're live. Welcome back to Masculine Moguls. It's your boy, the one with the scar in his face. Your boy, Scarface. And today I'm joined with Jesus. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's about time you came back. It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, COVID kind of ruined it for me. Uh, anyway, and we also got a good friend of mine, Pedro. Yeah, what's up, guys? And we hey, got Pedro. his buddy, Jose, also known as Danger, right? Yeah, yeah, Danger, man. What's up? <laughs> so, what's up? What's up? So, are, I mean, let's get to know a little bit about, about the both of you guys. Mm-hmm. So, are you guys both from Idaho Falls or... Nah, I moved here. I'm 28. I moved here when I was 13. You know, came from Los Angeles. Okay. Um, lived all over California, Northern California, Sacramento, mm-hmm. um, back to LA, and then up here. So I've been here since I was 13. Okay. And what about yourself? And I was born in Texas, and uh, my mom's family is uh, she's in Wisconsin, and uh, my dad's side of the family immigrated over here from uh, Mexico to Idaho Falls for the potato harvest. So mm-hmm. uh, that's how I ended up over here. So uh, I ended up uh, moving from uh, Texas to Wisconsin to escape crime in Texas. Yeah. And I ended up getting to Wisconsin. I ended up getting locked up for <laughs> crime. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. So how old are you right now? I just turned 20. Well, I'm about to turn 24 on oh, January 3rd. 24? Yeah. And then uh, I know he mentioned it a little bit earlier. You you just finished a seven-year sentence? Yeah, I was in prison since uh, October 23rd, 2013 for a, a drive-by shooting. Oh, dang. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll get into that here in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But let's. Uh, so y- you lived in Wisconsin, right? Yes. Is that what you said? So did you go to uh, school there? Middle school? High school? Uh, I was when I was I was like about in eighth grade and I was already kind of like uh, getting involved into the gang life. So like school for me wasn't really it no more. Mm-hmm. So when I got to Milwaukee, like I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a fresh start. Right. And then my mom's like, hey, uh, you know, go take this garbage up. Mm-hmm. So I grab the garbage, I go out, the first thing I see in this alley, I just see a big 13 on the wall. The same thing that my mom was trying to take us away from, I go take the garbage, I just see a big 13 on this alley, and I'm all like, it's over, you know? Yeah. They're, they're here. <laughs> yeah. And were you always attracted to that lifestyle? Yeah. Is that something you did in Texas? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Getting, so that's I think, uh, the main reason you moved to Wisconsin then? Yeah, the main reason that uh, we ended up moving to Wisconsin is like around 2008 and like between 2008 and 2011, I'm in a in a in a border town called McAllen, mm-hmm. and uh, it was getting so bad over there. Like the cartel was like hitting so hard that my mom started getting scared, and uh, the thing that pushed her over the edge, like she woke us up like at four in the morning. She's all like, oh, "We gotta leave." I was like, "What's going on?" She says, "Uh, she says a few uh neighborhoods over, uh, some guy owed some money, and like uh, they ended up coming to his house, and they and they left him alive, but they killed his daughter." Dang. I'm like whoa, and like uh, we ended up leaving like a couple weeks later. And um, when I get to Milwaukee, it was like a, I felt like no, this is a fresh start, man. Like this, my life is gonna change. Yeah. And then I get to the, I'm at this alley, you know, looking at this number, and I feel like now looking back at it, you know how they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Looking back at it now, I feel like that was the decision. That was the moment that my mind clicked where it says, you're going to prison. Yeah, that, that's gonna that be your lifestyle from now on. That's what it was, and I, I had just turned probably like fourteen, I think. So you, when that happened in Texas, were you you were like thirteen? Yeah, and you were you active in the whole like gang life? Yeah, I had I had just recently uh, been clicked in when I was like, 
I had just turned 13. Mm-hmm. So I was just getting a like a fresh start to this, you know. So I was just like, in my opinion, it's like a, when you start a new job, you're like, you want to do all your, you put all your effort into it. Like, mm-hmm. you really want to show people that this is what you want to do. And I was stuck in that mind frame where I felt like uh, after my father got killed, I had no guidance. Mm-hmm. My mom worked, uh, she was a nurse, so she worked a lot. And uh, I was at home a lot. And like, uh, I think uh, I didn't really have a home. So I think the, the streets took me, you know? Yeah. And that's what that's what raised me. Mm-hmm. And that's what, well, you don't have to say, was your dad involved in the gang life? Uh, no, my dad ended up, uh, my dad was uh, involved in the cartel life uh, since he was young, man, in a... The Gulf Cartel, and uh, he ended up uh, getting murdered on uh, December 24th, 2004 Dang. in Mexico. I was just, uh, me and my brother and my mom, we ended up seeing him get shot, like right in front of the house. So, so that I, kind of set your mind already, like not not as a normal kid anymore. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I'm not going to have a normal life, basically. Yeah, I think that, that <laughs> moment, that's when I really experienced like... Uh, I think uh, as a kid, you don't really experience hate yeah. or you don't experience a lot of fear, like to the point to where you really understand what that feeling is. Mm-hmm. And I think at that moment, I remember just looking at my dad and he was, uh, he's laying there, you know, he's, he's breathing very heavily and I'm just looking at him bleed and he looked up at me and I think that one face when I see my dad uh, laying there, you know, gasping for air, mm-hmm. uh, when I need like uh, encouragement in life or when I need anything, I, I remember that face and I think it puts me back on track. So I think I use my dad's uh, memory as like, a, I think the negative to push me to, to do positive, I guess. Yeah, I get, wow. getting a lot of experiences that a lot of people, and I mean, a regular 13-year-old doesn't get to go no, through or even see. Definitely seen, not, yeah. Especially, yeah. especially in Idaho. Yeah. yeah. Like most of us live a sheltered life, so it's you see it on TV, but for us, it's just like it's a, like a movie. So yeah. you don't yeah. really, you don't really connect as much. Like being from Mexico, like I... I kind of do because my parents moved here for the same reason. Like right. I was only five, but they saw where things were headed. So they're like, right. you know, let's get out of here. But it's crazy to 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 think that that happens all the time. And we're all kind of oblivious to it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you guys were living in Mexico, right? Like when, yes. that, when that happened? Yeah. What's the, do you remember any like of the craziest things that you saw? Because your dad was involved in the, yeah. the cartel? I think growing up, like I never really... uh I never really knew what he did for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, he would be gone for months at a time, and then he would come back, and uh, everything would be great. And uh, I never knew anything about my father because I think my mom was so depressed. You no, know, she she was left with five kids. It would hurt her to talk about her about her dad. You know, mm-hmm. so I would never really ask her about it. And uh, when I turned about fourteen, I ended up uh, meeting a few of his friends, and uh, when they began to explain to me to the extent that he was involved in. It dawned on me like it could have been a lot worse. Was he heavily involved? He was, yeah. To the point to, to the point to where this day I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of his friends still feel like the need to show him love or respect. But to me, I feel like uh, like I was just telling my mom, I think it's time to uh, let him rest in peace. You know. Yeah. Time to move on. Time to move on. Yeah. <clears throat> so. When that happened, was it another cartel that was after him, or was it the own cartel? No, it, it was actually uh, some of his closest friends from when he was growing up. The town that we were in, uh, Canutillo, Durango, that was a, it's a very small community, probably about 200 people. Mm-hmm. So when my dad started working with this cartel back in the 80s, they started working together. And I guess uh, the story, there's a few variations of the story, 
I've heard it from a different yeah, friends, different but like people. they ended up telling me that uh, it all came down to somebody stole some drugs and uh, my dad went to get him back and he found out it was the same people that he grew up with. And it turned into a very bitter dispute to where it was just shootings after shootings after shootings. And uh, when they finally ended up catching my dad on Christmas, uh, they ended up sending somebody to the house to make sure he was there, an old friend of his. And uh, when uh, the old friend gets there, uh, they pull my dad outside, you know, they were just talking and they're drinking. And uh, that's when the drive-by happened. So that guy ended up getting shot too, but he was in on it. Dang. So it was all a, a big setup. And uh, I had just, I was just outside with my dad before like the shooting happened. I had just came in and uh, we were playing Sorry, you know, the board game. Yeah. We had just, I don't, we didn't know English back then. So my mom's showing us. And I remember like we were just playing the board game and uh, it was my mom's and as soon as she flipped the car, man, the, the walls just started cracking. Uh, uh, there's glass everywhere. I can't hear anything. And uh, my mom, she grabs my sister. She grabs my sister, uh, Jocelyn, Lisi, and, and Fatima. And uh, she puts him in the in the, the bathroom. And she's like, stay here, stay here. She's crawling. And she's crawling out. And I don't know, like, I followed behind her. Yeah. She didn't see me following behind her. So when we get outside, you know, she stands up. She's holding my dad, you know, like, trying to figure out what's going on. The other dude that set him up, he's crawling up the drive. We got a couple bullets in his leg. And I looked to my dad, and that's when my mom looked at me, and her face changed like, you're not supposed to be seeing this. Yeah. yeah. And she tried to grab me to, to push me away, but it was, it was too late. It was too late. She was more yeah. focused on Especially at that age, you're so curious about everything. So Yeah, but that's, that's a rough way to learn oh, yeah. Yeah. What, how hard life can be. Yeah. So right after that, is that when you guys moved over to Texas? Yeah, we moved, to, uh, we moved here, actually, first. We moved here to Idaho Falls, and then uh, uh, my mama, because this was my dad's side of the family that's up here. But my mom, she was so independent all the time. She felt like, like a charity case. Mm-hmm. She's like, my husband just got killed, and everybody wants to help me. She wants to be independent. So we ended up leaving from here to Texas, and that's when I think uh, my mom grew into being a very strong woman because she took care of all of us with no questions asked. Okay. Did you guys have other family over there, or not? Just a couple family friends. We have no family in Texas. So it it, is, it was people that didn't really know that story then. No, it was just kind of acquaintances, or they heard it from two, three people, yeah. but never really up close like that. Wow. Okay, so you're in Texas now, right? Right. Did you have the name that you go by, Danger? Uh, at that time, or was it uh, until you got to Wisconsin? No, I got. I ended up earning that nickname. Uh, in Wisconsin, uh, I come up here like before I ended up moving to to Milwaukee. That's where I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Before I actually moved up there, I had gone to visit one of my cousins, and uh, we'll get more into my cousin <laughs> in a minute. But uh, I ended up moving. Uh, well, ended up going to visit up there, and uh, my cousins all like said, "Man, well, there's there's some homeboy. And he's getting out of line, bro. He's over at the at the park in Casiesco Park." And I was like, "What do you want to do, man?" He says, "Let's go, let's go beat him up. Let's go see what's up." And I was like, nah, man, I got this. I got some sandals. I got chanclas on, but I got <laughs> sandals on. I'm not expecting to go fight nobody. So, man, I get over there. There's some guys outside, and uh, we ended up fighting. But uh, I seen somebody reach for the button for the trunk. So when I'm fighting, I see this dude reach for the trunk. And automatically, like, I hit this dude, and I go to the back of the trunk. I slam the trunk back down. And I remember just fighting. I mean, I remember backing out, and uh, I remember the, my, my cousin, he texted me. He's like, we're in the car. He's like, we got to go, we got to go. I was like, what's going on? He's laughing. I was like, what? He said, you're dangerous, homie. He said, you're dangerous. I was like, what are you talking about? He says, you're a dangerous society, homie. We got to go. <laughs> and we got to the crib and uh, a bunch of older homies. This was a hood called Calanton. It's a, it's a LA hood. And uh, it's a bunch of homeboys. And then they come up and they're like, I said, man, what were you going to name me real quick? I was like, what's up? 
He said, man, you're dangerous, homie. He said, we're going to call you danger. He said, from now on, you're danger. He says, this is your identity now. Mm -hmm. So you're Sureño, homie. You're danger. And I think after that, uh, I embraced that name so heavily, it, it brought me to where, to where I yeah, am. Yeah, your expectations, you yeah. set them high. You're like, I set them very high for myself. So you felt like you had to be... You had like, to prove that the name was... That you, that you were worthy of that name, basically. Right. Dang. That's pretty, and th that happened in Wisconsin, right? Yes, in Wisconsin. Okay, and I I was just curious, what was? Do you remember like the first type of trouble that you got in? Like not not like getting caught, but yeah. like what? Like you committed a crime, and you're like, I like this, you know? Like yes, the, do, you, do you remember where that first? Like overall, or in Wisconsin? In Wisconsin, I, I, yeah, in yeah, Wisconsin, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <clears throat> uh, I think uh, the first thing that uh, that really got me to. To enjoying the life of like of, of the gang life, mm -hmm. uh, my cousin uh, Little Tony ended up going to the House of Corrections for a few months. That's the only person I would hang out with. Mm -hmm. But before he goes to the House of Corrections to serve some some time for some misdemeanors, he left me his phone and said, "Here, use my phone. All the homies' numbers are in there. Call him. You know that they're gonna pick you up. I'm gonna turn myself in tomorrow." So I ended up calling my homeboy Smokey. Uh, I, I met him a couple of times. I called him. I was like, "Hey, you know, Little Tony's cousin, gonna come pick me up." He starts. He's like, "Yeah, man, we're gonna go kick it." And uh. We're cruising through Milwaukee, and uh, there's a the opposite gang over there called Mexican Posse. We ended up seeing a few of them in the corner, and it was always just see him stop, go, mm -hmm. see him stop, go. Mm -hmm. And when we see him, we all end up getting out the car, and we're jumping this dude named Abe while I'm beating his ass. I end up taking his backpack, and when I got in the car, and like I looked around, and we were all just we're all breathing heavy. We all got the same look in our eye, and like this is brotherhood. Mm -hmm. I looked around, like we just did this as brothers, mm -hmm. and I think that that was the moment when. It all, like, you know, the one, the domino, the domino effect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these dominoes had been falling, but it just kept speeding up faster and faster and faster. That was one of the main blocks that I remember really hitting hard that brought me to where I am right now. Dang. So how long until, because in Wisconsin is where you committed the, the crime that sentenced right. you to seven years. Yes. So up until that point, I'm pretty sure you had, you're involved in gang life, you, you know, doing things here and there. What, like made you guys do that specific crime where you guys ended up getting caught like the drive-by shooting that's like no joke like that's yeah <laughs> that's pretty intense yeah. yeah i think uh what led up to to the shooting it was like a it was a mix of a lot of things man like uh like now that i'm that i'm older and i look back at it i was like damn you know i was dumb yeah i could have killed somebody I, I i could not have this second chance of being free but uh thinking back at it uh I was a kid, man. You know, I was young, and uh, my cousin, you know, I trusted my cousin a lot. He, he was somebody uh, I loved, somebody I respected. You know. He was from uh, from the same set as I, from the same hood as I was, same set. And I was like, damn, you know, that, that's a lot of love and respect. So when uh, I started uh, selling some weed, and uh, he comes over one time, and uh, I'm sitting in the, in the, in the chair, and uh, there's a bed next to me, and I have some weed on the, be on the bed. He comes up, and he takes his phone out, and he says, and I looked at him crazy. I was like, man, what are you doing, cuz? Oh, cuz, I'm just texting my girl, cuz. I'm texting my girl, cuz. I'm going to put the phone on. What are you doing? He says, says oh, I'm, I'm done, cuz. He puts the phone away. And uh, I got a bad vibe, you know, that, that really shook me. I don't know why. It, mm -hmm. it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I called my homeboy Dave, and I told him, I was like, hey, I need you to you know, come pick all this stuff up, bro. I need you to come get all this, all this stuff. I got this bag. Take the weed. Take the guns. Just, just come pick it up. He came and picked them up about... Three, four hours later, the fucking the house is just surrounded by cops. They're coming in. 
they're asking me, where's the stuff at? Where's this at? Where's that at? I was like, what are you talking about? They take me to the front porch. This guy takes his phone and it shows me a couple pictures. It was the pictures that my cousin was taking from the uh, from the door. So he was taking pictures of me next to the weed because he was a confidential informant for the uh, Milwaukee Police Department since 2005. Holy shit. Your own cousin? My own cousin. My own blood cousin. And uh, when I uh, I seen that picture, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm handcuffed and I see this picture and I just, I get this rage. But I mean, it's not a rage to where you just want to throw anything it's a race to where you just calmly sit and boil yeah and i'm just sitting there boiling and and i'm not saying nothing and i was like why is he showing me this why would you show me that you know i'm gonna know yeah who did it you know i'm gonna know who did it yeah and he's showing it to me and uh like uh they put me in a, on a 72 hour hold to where oh yeah the, just, you know the investigation mm-hmm. for 72 hours that's what they do in like uh when they arrest you they give you a 72 hour hold mm-hmm. if they don't charge you after 72 hours they yeah. let you go so they didn't find anything at the house, so they're holding me in juvenile for 72 hours. They let me out. They let me out probably like around 12. And I just, I remember getting home and uh, my mom's in the shower and my brother-in-law's there and uh, my sister's there. And I just remember just going to the room. I ended up getting the two revolvers and the two thirty-eight revolvers, a six-inch uh, and a nine-inch uh, long uh, barrel. And I remember looking at him. I put it in my pocket and my brother-in-law comes in and says, what are you, gonna, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I'm going to go handle some business, man. Stay here. He said, nah, man, I'm going to come. What's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, man, I'm going to go handle this shit. Well, just stay here. And he says, nah, I'm coming. I'm coming. So he gets in the in the passenger side. And uh, I'm probably like four blocks away from where my cousin is at. Mm-hmm. A homeboy just told me he's outside. A homeboy just called me and says, hey, bro, cartoons outside, bro. They're just outside the house. You know, let's go. Let's go do something. And I was like, no, this is my business. That's my cousin. He snitched on me, like, mm-hmm. this is personal. I don't want nobody else to do that. It was my business, and I had a homie telling me, like, that's family matters, homie. That's either you handle that. If we handle it, it's going to go all the way across, not just him. Mm-hmm. So I took it upon myself, and I remember just, I'm listening to Kendrick Lamar, um, listening to Kendrick Lamar to Money Trees. I remember black, about two blocks away, I turn, I hit a right. I look at my brother-in-law, and he's scared. I, I, can, I can tell he's scared, and I'm just... I look at the on 26th Street, and that's the street that my cousin's standing in. I hit the light, I turn over, and I remember just rolling down the window. Everything gets quiet. I see him. I see him. He's not really looking at me. I get right to the front of the house, and he's just seeing me, and I just started shooting. I stay, I put the, my, my right hand in front of uh, my brother-in-law's uh, chest, and I, he, he falls back, and I just start shooting. I shoot five times. I drop the pistol on his lap. I grab the other one. He's loading it. I start shooting and I take off. They start running to the back of the house. So I take off, go up the alley, and I see him again. He's coming towards between the two houses. And that's when I hit him. I end up hitting him. He falls. A couple other people start running and I just kept shooting. I was just shooting at everybody that was trying to run in and out the house. There was like six, seven people there. Mm-hmm. I ended up leaving. And um, when I got to the house, I'm telling my mom, I got to go. She's like, I got to go. I got to go. And, and she's all like, what happened? She just got out of the shower. Where did you go? What did you do? I tell my, my brother-in-law, take these guns and hide them. He says, okay, I'll get rid of them. I'll get rid of them. So I'm thinking, like, you know, no gun. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. They are not probably didn't know who it was. Everybody's trying to kill this guy. Everybody just found out he's a snitch. So I, I'm at the house, and I go outside. I'm about to go. Uh, I'm about to smoke a blunt. One on Detective, uh, I think it was Detective Smith or Detective Wilcox. He says, you move your hands below your nipples. I will blow your brains across the wall. You understand me? And I remember just... Putting my hands up, I look down, and uh, he comes up, he cuffs me, and I 
bunch of cops used to coming in. They they go into the basement. They're going up top. They grab my mom. They grab my brother-in-law. They grab everybody. And I'm just sitting there like, nobody say nothing. Everything's good. There's no guns. Everything's good. They take me to the car, and uh, I'm there for about five minutes. I look over, and here they come with the guns. My brother-in-law, instead of getting rid of the guns, like, in the street or in a garbage can or something, he went downstairs and stuck him in the rafters of the basement to where you could see the handle of one of the guns. So when they went to go look for him, they ended up seeing one of the handles, and they found both of them stacked on top of each other on the rafter between the wall. So it was a, that's what kind of sealed me in. Like, yeah. I'm done. My fingerprints are there. My DNA's there. The casings are there. Like, that's the whole case. Dang. That's when I knew I lost. <laughs> so, so I had a question. Like, at, at any point when you're going, you're driving to do this, at any point where you're like, maybe I shouldn't. Like, maybe, or was it, were you so full of rage that you you never thought about it? No, I think I had a moment of clarity, like, uh, when I turned the car on, because uh, I remember just... Uh, when I turned the car on, I think uh, the moment came to where, like, you can just turn the car off and go back inside. Yeah. But I, I think uh, the way my mentality was at the time, it was never back down. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. So even if you had been by yourself? No, oh, I yeah. wanted to be by myself. Yeah. It, you still would have gone through it then? Yeah. Well, because I, I felt like since you had a passenger, yeah. that maybe if you backed down, you'd look weak to him. Yeah. And so maybe if he wasn't there, nobody would know that you backed down. But your mentality was set that you weren't going to back down anyway. I, it was already set in stone what I was going to do. Jeez. Dang. So um, they had enough to convict you after yeah. that. And so how, how long did they actually uh, give you, like, originally? Because, uh, well, based on what you said, he, he's probably still alive, right? Yeah, yeah, he's still alive, yeah. Okay. Have you guys ever talked after Talk, that uh, he sent me a because he's in prison now for homicide uh Jeez. he killed two people and he got nine years in prison for it <laughs> dang yeah like, so maybe if you'd have been successful two people two people would have been, been that's crazy <laughs> shit huh yeah 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 and, and to think about it too that at the time he was 15 years old so yeah. at, at a time so when i was about 14 years old i was in the idaho department of juvenile corrections mm -hmm. which is a, it's, it's a juvenile correction center it's a program and they've got three facilities one in nampa lewiston and st anthony st anthony's is usually the bit the bigger one so i was out there and yeah i mean i was in there with with juveniles who were 14 years old and i mean nampa caldwell was very active mm -hmm. with with gangs around 2007 that's when i was over uh, that's when i was in there so we would get, you know, youngsters in there. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't gang related at all, but I mean, I, I got along with everybody and everybody, it was just, you know, there were 13, 14 years old already doing drive-bys. Like it was active wow. out there in Caldwell. Like, I mean, these guys were just 14 years old and just their whole chest tatted, their neck. And I mean, like I'm looking at them, I'm like, damn, like what the hell? Yeah. And I mean, it was a totally different world going from Idle Falls to over there. And I mean, and most of them would be like, yeah, I shot somebody. I'm like, really? And then next thing you know, I'm like, well, you're 15. What's going on? They're like, yeah, I might be charged as an adult. So if like wow. the, 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 the injuries go further or, you know, there's enough evidence, yeah, they'll, they'll be 15 years old sitting and, you know, being charged as an adult. And that's what happened with him. Wow. So you got charged as an, as an adult? Yeah, I was in juvenile probably for about three months because I got arrested in October. So they wait till I turn, I think it was 16. They waited till I turned 16. And like three days later, they make an emergency court and says, oh, he's already an adult. The Wisconsin uh, deems you an adult at 16. So he's not, he shouldn't be charged as a child. So I'm facing 
as a juvenile, the maximum time they can give you is called juvenile life. It extends to 25 to, to when you're 25 years old. So from a child, whatever age you're at, 12, 13, 14, 15 to 25, that's juvenile life. Mm -hmm. So they did not want to do that to me. They wanted to give me more time. So they ended up, uh, they do this court. And the judge, you know, he was, he was a pretty cool dude. He just looked at me and says, says, I can't really, really do nothing for you. He says, you did what grown men do. He says, you need deserve a grown man punishment. punishment yeah. and, and I ended up getting moved to uh, Milwaukee County Jail. And uh, my mom doesn't know any of this. Mm -hmm. I ended up calling her. I get to Milwaukee County Jail. I'm in booking for 16 hours, sitting in a bench, stuck for 16 hours. And uh, this CEO comes up. She says, you can use the phone now. She lets me out. I'm trying to remember my mom's phone. I'm trying to remember my mom's phone number. I tried like four times. I finally got it. And, uh, you know, it, dang, nah, the phone's ringing. And, uh, you know, she's sitting. Uh, I'm standing there. I'm fucking, I'm 16 years old. And I call my mom. And she's all like, hello, who, who is this? And it's like, mom. She got quiet. She's like, where, where are you? I was like, nah, I'm in county jail. She's like, county jail? Why? You're a juvenile. I was like, nah, I'm, I'm facing uh, attempted murder and uh, first degree reckless endangerment. And I'm facing up to 25 years in prison as as of now. And like it got quiet and I just hear crying, man. I hear my sisters coming up and like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, damn. Sitting there like shit. And like it was like a 30-second call, you know? Yeah. So like I hang up, I'm like, fuck. 30 seconds probably felt like 30 minutes. Yeah. Man. This shit's real. Like yeah. Felt like an eternity. Yeah. How, how did real. you feel at that time when you were calling here? Like, were you like, fuck, like disappointed i felt like a disappointment mm -hmm. like how i would never want my mom to now i would never want my mom to ever get a call like that mm -hmm. i wouldn't if i had kids you know yeah. wake up at two in the morning and they're telling you like i'm facing 25 years in prison and like that's what really did it you know mm -hmm. so i want to touch a little bit before we go keep going uh you said that you got a, you were in contact with your cousin yeah uh how did that go uh so i have a when I was in prison, um, there in the Wisconsin Department of Corrections, there's a thing called the SPN. Mm -hmm. It's called a spatial placement need. So let's say if me and you get into a rivalry, we're gang rivals, and my crime is against you. I shot you, and we're in the same prison. You can go to the CEO and says, I need an SPN. Or like, why? I says, I got in a shootout with that guy. He's my paperwork. Get me out of here. And they'll move you to another prison. Mm -hmm. So I'm in, a, I'm in a super maximum security prison in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I get this paper uh, in the mail Kind of reading as an SPN. I told my homeboy, hey, what's an SPN? He's like, oh, somebody's locked up from your case. I was like, bro, Little Tune isn't locked up. No, that's my cousin. Little Tune a snitch, man. Little Tune ain't never going to get locked up. Mm -hmm. And he starts laughing. He's like, go through it. Let me see it. So I go through his papers, and it said, they didn't say the name, but they said he was staffed in Dodge Correctional Institution. So I'm like, man. I write, I write a letter to one of my homeboys, and that Dodge is another super, another max. And I write him a letter. He's like, yeah, bro, he's here. He's over here. He changed his name. He's trying to say that uh, one of your homeboys came through and he told him that to tell you what's up, that it's all love, that he misses you and to write him. And I was like, what? I was like, what else did he tell you? He says, that's it, bro. Like, this guy didn't know nothing about me and him, me and my cousin beefing. Mm -hmm. So my cousin's over here telling people we're cool, basically. Yeah, so they won't, so they won't find out that he's a yeah. snitch. Especially being in a prison, he didn't want to admit that he's a CI. And yep. I mean, yeah. if, if, that, if that's the case, he's not... Probably wouldn't, wouldn't even safe. make it out, yeah. yeah. So, did you start telling them that he was a snitch? No, hell yeah. As soon because like when you get to prison, um, we get uh, our discovery. It's like uh, all our case file. Mm -hmm. Like uh, where since I, that's how you find out if people 
what they really did. Mm -hmm. So people can tell you one thing like, oh, I killed somebody. Yeah. Okay, you got homicide, but let me see your paperwork. And hitting in that homicide is a bunch of other charges. Mm -hmm. So you really need to dig deep. So the reason they do that is to, one, to root out any snitches, and second, to make sure people aren't sex offenders. Because sex offenders in prison, in the prison I was at, they would get moved to this unit called the mainstream unit, and uh, they would be separated from everybody for their own protection. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard, like, movies and yeah. stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Sex offenders do not make it in prison. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah, that really is oh, legit. Sure. <laughs> that really is legit. So that's, uh, that's how it all really was... Uh, Everybody was kind of separated at the time, and the prison that uh, that I found out that my cousin was in Dodge had just started a program for for SPN, which is like a like a PC. Mm-hmm. It was like a prison just for protective custody. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I wrote a few people, they're telling me he's like, yeah, we're like we don't really see him, you know, because he's he's in PC. Yeah. So nobody really uh, nobody ever really gave me definite like this is what he said word by word. But like a month before I get out, I got a letter in the mail. It was from under somebody else's name, so they wouldn't know that he wrote me. But like I knew it was him. Yeah. He, wrote, he wrote me a long letter telling me, uh, "Look, cuz I just uh, I'm in prison for nine years. Uh, they gave me nine years. I killed two people cuz uh, they tried to rob me, and uh, we got in a shooter, and I killed him point blank. Since I had to do what I had to do, uh, he said I had to do what I had to do. I got kids now. You don't understand this no more. He says I have kids." He says, if I'm going to go home, I'm going to go home. He says, I did you that way because I got a family too. So at that moment, I was like, I'm your family, bro. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? You're like, I'm important and, too. Yeah, and it, and it just, I, didn't, I never replied. I think I still have a letter too. It's just, I, what gets me mad is he keeps justifying himself. Yeah. He's never said, I, I'm sorry for what I did. or nah, Nothing. He can oh, okay. justify himself. He, he feels like he 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 did it for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, it was the right reason. Yeah. Okay, so he he probably feels like he doesn't have anything to apologize for. Yeah, it's what you get from it. Yeah, and, and the problem I have with that is that in the gang life, that's not something you do. Yeah, because he signed up for it too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knew the rules basically. Yeah, and like like you did. Yeah, yeah, and he's bending them to his own benefit, and that's he's breaking the rules to his own benefit. And I feel since I'm, I'm, I've always been a very traditional person, I follow everything by the book. To me, that's uh, that's blasphemy. Yeah. How how could you, how could you do be like us, grow like us, wear the same colors as us? I, I feel like, like it's a little that. worse too when it's your own family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it hits a little, like yeah. it stings mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah. Do you always. feel like you don't need that closure then? Or, I don't. Or, no, I think seven years in prison gave me enough closure. For that, for that, yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's go back a little bit uh, to. So you now you're 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 in county, right? Yes. Were you going in there being like, "Hey, I'm like, I'm danger." Like these. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, did, did that happen to get you into into some more trouble? <laughs> no. Like you were you were very active when you came in. You let people know. You know yeah, Or yeah, did yeah, people already yeah. know who you were? Like, yeah. How or like did you get more intense and like was it more like I guess your intensity and involvement with it with the gang? Once it, I got in, yeah. yeah. I think. Uh, Cause when I first got in there, the, the pot I was in it was five C, like uh, the levels of security in, in Milwaukee County go from three being like the drunk tank mm-hmm. to where you're there a couple days to six. So it goes three A B C D. That's four pods, and it goes all the way up to to the sixth floor. Is just the security levels. The higher you go, the higher the security is. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to three A for the night. Then at like three in the morning, brother, like hey, pack your stuff. You're going to five C, five D. And I tell my cellmate, it was this black dude. I was like, hey, what's in five D? He said, oh, little bro, you do not want to go up there. <laughs> and I was all like, why, what's up? 
Leo, bro, you going up there to five? I was like, yeah. What the hell did you do? I was like, I shot somebody. He said, oh, yeah, you going up with the killers. And that walk, I think we literally walked like 30 steps to an elevator. My heart is thumping. Like, I'm like, oh, shit, man, it's about to get real. So instead of getting scared, I geek myself up the whole elevator ride. Mm-hmm. I'm just like holding my sheets, just like telling myself, this is it. This is yeah. it. You got to prove yourself. You got to prove yourself. I walk in there and uh, I, I made my bed. And everybody's just walking around looking at me. I sit on the table and this guy, man, he zooms and sits right by me. And he's all like, he's like, hey, where you from? And he's like, I'm from the South Side, bro. I'm from Texas. He said, what part of Texas? And I'm like, oh, I'm from South Texas. He said, I'm from Crystal City. He was a Texas syndicate. Mm-hmm. He said, my name is Roland. I'm a Texas syndicate. They call me Ocho. And he showed it to me. He said, what'd you do? Let me see your paperwork. I give it to him. And uh, he goes through and he starts laughing. And I was like, what's up? He said, I'll, I'll be right back. He walks around with these paperwork. He shows this guy under this table. He starts laughing. Then he goes to another guy at this other table. He starts laughing. I'm looking around like, what? what's so funny about yeah, my paperwork? Yeah. He comes back and the ultra comes up and he says, he says, oh, so that was you that popped that motherfucker? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He said, we've been wondering that because they didn't put my name on the news because I was a juvenile. They just said that he got shot. Oh, so he said, we've been wondering who it was. And he said, what's your name, bro? I was like, oh, Danger. He said, oh, homie Danger, all right, homie Danger. You, you, don't, don't trip, you're good. And uh, Roland, I ended up seeing him in county. Uh, I did all my time in, in max with him, seen him in medium security. I get out and I seen him the day I got out and I got him on Facebook. Oh, dang. Like, that's one person, like, since day one, he's been solid as hell. And, like, in, in, when we were in, uh, in Green Bay, in GBCI, Green Bay Correctional Institution, like, he never backed down for nothing. He was always solid by himself, and I, and I admired that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I looked for those people to, to build me. You know, I never had no father figure. Yeah. So I think, you know, being 16 in a, in a prison environment like that, I ended up getting, I had to pick and choose my traits from people, you know. Mm-hmm. I like this guy. He, he's very determined. Yeah. I like how he works. So that's how it turned is, out. Is it, I had a question. Is it true that when a juvenile goes into a prison that as an adult, yeah, that there's a lot of people that are there for a long time that kind of mentor, mentor you a little oh, bit yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where they're like, I don't want to see, like if this kid's going to get out, like he still has a chance at a successful life. So is there a lot of people like that that yeah, yeah. mentor kids um, or younger younger people? Yeah, I ended up uh, when I was in Green Bay. I ended up doing a program called Trek. It's called uh, Teaching Responsibility and Educating Kids. Like they will bring kids from the street mm-hmm. and we'll tell them about prison, right? So uh, before I started this program, I was talking to uh, to one of the homeboys at the handball court. His name is Valencia. He's older. He's been in prison since '81 for homicide, mm-hmm. and he's all like, uh, he's telling me about uh, how to play handball and doing all of this. And I just happened to mention to him. He says. Says Manson, they asked me to join this Trek program. And I'm thinking, no, he he's been gambling his whole life. I'm thinking he's gonna get mad. Like, what do you think you're doing? You're trying to change people? You you change now? Mm-hmm. And instead of that, he he leaned in, he's all like, is that something you want to do? And I was like, Yeah, bro, I never had nobody do that when I was young. Maybe I I could have changed. And he started laughing. He says, Well, before you do that program, you gotta get your high school diploma. You're gonna get your uh, vocational. So you're gonna have to finish all these classes. And then you can go do that shit. I was like, oh, the prison? That's how the prison works? He said, no, that's how I work. You're going to do all your class. You're going to do all your schooling. I don't want you out here fucking around. I was like, I got you. So I go, I did like three or four months just studying for the GED test. I finished them. And once I finished, I I realized, man, this guy could have really used me. He could have sent me off. He could have used me to beat somebody up, do all this other shit. But instead of doing that, he told me, go get your education. Yeah, that's cool. And I think there's there's always those type of people that that guide you mm-hmm. and uh, there's always those people who will try to stop you and I think 
it, I, I've always had that that type of a like a judgment of character, I guess, mm -hmm. to where I feel like I was very comfortable knowing that I didn't learn a bunch of bullshit while I was in prison. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So the you you said that it, there was different pods that you were in. Yeah. Were they all like separated by race? No, no. Uh, Milwaukee County was like no. It was just a mix. Like uh, they wouldn't. It was like it was. It's illegal for them for to segregate anybody now. Like by gang or by color or whatever. So uh, in county, if you have a problem, like you say you're in a pod, mm -hmm. if you're a gangster disciple and you walk into a pod, it's just all vice lords. That's your opposition. You're going to go to the desk and be like, I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. It's too concentrated here or whatever. They've moved you somewhere else. But uh, Milwaukee County was just a beats of his own to where the inmates kind of ran most of the things. The CEOs were there to feed us and yeah. close the doors. Other than that, yeah, because I remember watching a show on Netflix. Uh, it was it was mixed like that. Right. And then every time they didn't like somebody, they're like, "Hey, like, what would they call it? Like, walk walk out or something like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if he was like stealing or like they found out it was a snitch, they're yep. like, "Get that guy out of here! Or we're gonna have a problem with." Yeah, him. hell yeah. So it was that how it was like? Yeah, hell yeah. Milwaukee County was a. There was so many fights in Milwaukee County. They called Milwaukee Milwaukee. Because a lot of people snitch in this county jail. So all the people that were in five and six, those are the people who, who are really there to do some time, where have been in floor five and six, or homicides, drive-bys, uh, home invasions. It's all serious felonies. So sometimes they would mess up in 3A and send the wrong person that's supposed to be down there to 5D, mm -hmm. and all hell would break loose. Dang. Be like, that's the guy that snitched on Duck. Oh. <laughs> and the people go whoop him. So it was... It was a mixture at least once a week to where that happened once a week in uh, Milwaukee County. Was there constant fights and stuff going on? Oh, like that? yeah. Hell, yeah. There's, Did, were you ever involved in some of those, too? Uh, I ended up getting in one fight on my birthday when I was, like, before I went, got to prison. In prison, I, I was fighting a lot. I only got in one, in one fight in, uh, in county jail, and uh, it was with this young dude, uh, Samuel. He ended up getting mad because I helped him read uh, Precipitation, I think. We were reading, and uh, we had a class in county jail. And I'm sitting there, he's sitting behind me reading, he's going, he's going like, person, and I just go like, oh, precipitation. I was just trying to help him yeah. out. I put the book back, man, I just hear the book fall, and he just hits me hard as hell in my ear, and we just started fighting, I'm like, what the hell? We, we fought, insane. and then they took me back to the cells, like, what happened? Well, what kicked it off? I was like, bro, I helped him read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did not like that. <laughs> Damn, just for reading? Yeah, bro. That was, it was on my birthday, too. My mom came to see me the same day in a visit. Eyes all red, about to turn black. She's like, "What happened?" <laughs> I was like, "I had a good birthday so far." <laughs> so, when you you got sentenced to how many years? Was it seven? Uh, it's uh, the full sentence was ten years, mm -hmm. and uh, in Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee County, like uh, they can do uh, if you're the judge. Like I say, I'm the judge. The DA says, "I want to give him ten years." It's like, okay, we'll give him ten years. But that doesn't mean you're gonna do all ten years in prison. I, yeah. I can tell you, you're gonna do five years initial initial confinement, which is prison, and five years extended supervision, which is probation. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was supposed to get five years extended supervision and five years in prison. But uh, the last moment, uh, Judge Watts ended up switching to juvenile court. The circuit court like uh, uh, moved all the the um, like the adult court 
they went to juvenile court. Juvenile court judges went up. Mm -hmm. So they do that every few years, I guess. And they ended up getting this judge named Maria Stark, and she was strict. Mm -hmm. Like, she just... Uh, she came I, from the adult. Yeah, and then she, so she's used bro, to giving, handing out harder, harsher no, sentences. No, she was in juvenile oh, going okay. to adult. So she, I guess she must have been tired of giving kids little time or something. Cause she was practicing for the big time. Practicing yeah. for the yeah, big time. Yeah. <laughs> I get there, bro. She berated me. She just she just went in on me and, like... To the to the right of me, you know, it's my my lawyer. And there's a glass partition, and my cousin's in there. My aunt, my uncle, all, like my, the guy I just shot is sitting right there. Yeah. So I'm looking at her, and I keep looking over to him, and she's yelling at me. I told you not to look over there. And I'm getting pissed, and my lawyers are like, "Man, just just stop, just yeah. chill." And she's all like, "You are a nuisance to Milwaukee County. You are a, a, a what did she say? You are you are a pest that needs to be controlled, and you deserve to be in prison." Because I am negating the five years in prison, and I'm giving you seven years initial confinement and uh, three years extended supervision. And I just looked at her. I'm like, "Holy shit!" I look back at my mom, and that's when I, it got real. Like she just gave me seven years in prison. Yeah. She signed the paper and next. Dang. Like that's, I think when looking back, you know, I have all girls in my family. I seen them all crying. You know, I have pictures of that day when I'm getting sentenced. When I look back, when I got the sentence, I have the picture when I look back at my mom. And uh, that picture, like you can see in my face, like, oh, shit. Yeah, like <laughs> it is where it starts. Yeah. Look, knowing what you know now, looking back, do you think that sentence was justified? Or do you think she still went? Uh to be honest, man, I, like looking from an outside perspective, because I yeah. know it's it's uh, it's difficult because yeah. you felt that you went through it. So it's, yeah, um, I don't know, man. Uh, to me, I think I think it was a justifiable, like to the extent that I understand that it could have been more serious. Yeah, a bullet could have gone through the window and hit somebody that had nothing to do with this. Mm. So I, I do understand that it's just that. I would never want to change anything that has happened to me. I would never want to go back and change anything. I think life, you you live and you learn. You get it how you get it, but you get the best out yeah. of it. So I think she she gave me a sentence to where, to me, it felt bad. It felt so heavy at the time. Mm. But now looking back at it, seven years flashed. Yeah. And now I'm here and I'm like, what now? <laughs> I get like released. Over. Yeah, what now? I mean... I've been waiting seven years for this one day, and then I get here and it's COVID. You no. can't do this. You can't do that. Don't go here. Don't go there. I'm like this mask. is not what I expected my release to be, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it's a lot of getting used to. And the seven years that I did in prison really kind of set me up like to to self quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. so they didn't do like any like time for good behavior or time like no. where it's like they count nights and days as two days. Or, no. They didn't do any of that. Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin has this, this law called truth in sentencing. Uh -huh. So they give this judge can give you 32 days, six years, 32 days and whatever. And they have to you do You got to do exactly that. Shit. So you're still on probation then? Yeah, yeah. I'm under, uh, well, I'm under, it's not probation. It's like parole. Parole. Because okay. Wisconsin operates, I'm under Wisconsin jurisdiction right now. I'm just basically being watched by oh, Idaho. Okay. So what happens if you violate that parole? So if I violate parole here, they call Wisconsin. They ask Wisconsin, "What do, What do you want us to do?" Oh, okay. So, but uh, so, so there's no there's no like this is gonna be your punishment. That they still haven't said it. No, it's oh. like I I even asked. I was like when I met my parole officer, I asked him like you know like what's gonna happen? Like how does this work? And uh, he just basically told me like look. You've been in prison since you were 16. 
you have a lot of life, uh, a lot of life to live. And I ended up being released. I was in a super maximum status when I started my prison mm-hmm. bid. I was in minimum status. So I, I was literally could have, if it, COVID wasn't going, I could have been going from prison to work in the street and coming back to prison. Oh, okay. So my PO kind of seemed like, you're not that much of a threat now to him. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't th- think like he's going to have to watch me like mm-hmm. that. So he just told me, don't just live your life. And if you have a problem, anything else, don't let me know. Okay. So when did you get out? October 13th, 2020. Okay, so you were there in prison during the whole COVID. Did yeah. you guys see the like people getting infected inside the jail? It was bad. It was real bad. Do they do they know how it was getting inside? If 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 it the only people it must have came from a CO. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The first case was was a correctional officer and I think in like a W building, you know, the buildings are letters. Yeah. And uh I think it started in W building when I first heard about coronavirus. I remember just watching the news, I was like What's that? You know, yeah. Wasn't really tripping about it. Man, I think like a month after that, it was bad. I remember waking up. I tried to go out, uh, try to go leave the cell because uh, I'm in a medium security prison at the time. Right before I get out, and we have our own key to the door. So I go to open the door and it was locked from the outside. You know, the COs can do that. Yeah. The hell? I go back and I wake up my homeboy, Fano. I was like, hey, Fano, why is this door locked? So I don't know. He turns the news on and it says, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Tony Evers uh, declared state of emergency in Wisconsin for coronavirus. Uh, everybody's on lockdown. Nobody can do nothing. Nobody can go outside. And I'm like, bro, what's going on? And the CEO's walking by. I was like, what's going on? He said, everybody's sick. You know, it just got into W building. The whole building is sick. And we had a lot of people going into W building from other units, and they just went back to their units. Dang. So when was this? Like around? This was around about early august right early august because like in the prison system like it was so secluded coronavirus didn't really hit us like that until a few months ago yeah right about the beginning of october it was bad it went from like 50 some cases to where we turned the news on it was like 480 cases in a matter of one day just in that prison yeah and see we kind of felt that here too where everybody was getting sick other states and You'd hear people get sick, but nobody you knew. And yeah. then all of a sudden, like like you said, like August, yep. September, right? Yeah, they we started, started spiking. Yeah, we started actually knowing the people that were getting sick, and then then like we started getting sick. So yeah, it, yeah, it was it was something else, man. The National Guard was coming in like to test us every few weeks, and like uh, in the unit. So if one person had coronavirus in the unit, mm-hmm. so we go on a fourteen day lockdown to where we don't leave the cell for nothing. Dang. So. They do that test again at those two weeks, and let's say another person gets sick, and there goes another 14 days. How long did you guys have to go for? Oh, man, we, we didn't leave ourselves probably for about six months since this, this is that corona what? start. And to think about that, most of the time, that's, that's a consequence to not be able to leave your cell 23, no, 24 stuck. hours a day. You're just stuck. You, everything's in there. So, like, you eat, and that's it. Like, everything is there, and that's most of the time, that's, a, that's the consequence. But at this point, yeah. it's like it's what they, the only thing they had to do. Did, did that ever start so, messing with your head? Like, oh yeah, bro. Uh, like I got to this Corona thing. Like to me, it was like a very, like to people who have been in a in a super maximum security prison. We're locked down twenty three hours a day, and we get one hour a day mm-hmm. to go out ourselves. But in this prison, since they're so petty for some reason, they give us twenty minutes for breakfast, twenty minutes for lunch, twenty minutes for dinner. There's your hour for the day. What? <laughs> so yeah, so we get uh, two wrecks a week, which would be Tuesdays and uh, Thursdays, and that's an hour and a half. So we get two, three hours a week of outside the cell. Other than that, we're just stuck in the cell. 
And uh, that prepared me for, for this, for you know. This. Yeah. When I get to this prison, I was like, bro, we got everything in here. <laughs> I was like, it's a big room over there in, in Green Bay. I can literally stretch both of my arms out, and this is the cell. Damn. So in order for you to use the bathroom, I'd have to get in my bed. You have to jump down, get over there, and then put up the curtain, and I have to go stand by the door so you can use the restroom in peace. So, like, there's no movement in there. So yeah. you guys try to give each other privacy? Always, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Like, that's one of the main things, like, if you needed privacy, like, look, bro, in medium security, like, if we were cellmates, I was like, look, bro, I need some time for myself. You might go on a wreck. It's just an hour. Oh, yeah, I'll go. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, that's... So that's how we kind of measured each other out to where... Have your own space, yeah, basically. Yeah, have your own space. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so, like, uh, what did that do to you, like, that, that you can recall, like, just being in there for so long without being able to leave now? I think it... I think being in there for that... I think... Uh, being in there thinking about being released messed up my like my release. I don't know yeah, how to explain. Well, like it just gets in your head because you anticipate a date. It could be thirty <laughs> days. It could be two days. It could be because like I, I've gone in and done weekends before, and those are the worst. Yeah. I I I I mean I've gone and done like six months, two years, and like I knew my date, or like most of the time I didn't know my date, and I didn't care. I was like whatever. Time flew. Yeah. But the day that when you do know your release date, you anti- and then the night before you get out. It's even worse. You're just like you're biting your fingernails. You cannot sleep. It's just like the first day of school. You know, yeah. you're you want to get up. You want to already put on that you know fresh you know fresh suit and just get get going. But like, you you can't sleep. You can't. You just want to get there. And that's yeah. just that's what happens. I mean, it just it does. It it gets to your head. It messes it messes you up. And I mean, I mean, it's it, it's it's hard. <laughs> like it, yeah, bro. So what motivated you through these entire seven years? Like, cause you know they gave you seven years. You're like. Uh, I still have a chance to have, yep. you know, a life. What motivated you to get through those seven years? I think um, when I got to the prison, uh, remember I told you my homeboy little happy? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, before I got uh, locked up, my homeboy little happy, you know, uh, I met him a few times, my homeboy Eric Rosales, and uh, I met him a few times, and, like, um, the night that I ended up, the last time I seen him, uh, he was he was covered in blood, and, like, uh, I remember asking him, like, what happened, bro? what happened and he's sitting there and he says uh he says man this dude uh my mom's uh boyfriend just tried to rape my sister it's like i killed him and and we stood there for a second we're like what so i just stabbed him bro so i killed him and like he went on the run and that was the last time i seen him Mm -hmm. so when i get to prison uh i get to prison and uh in this prison in green bay they had a they had a, a program a wood a wood shop program where they made a bunch of pool tables so we could play pool, you know, we could just sit there and play pool with a couple people. And I see this dude, man, he's playing pool and uh he got the teardrop on him. And I'm like, man, where do I know this guy from? I know this guy from somewhere. And I walk up to him and I was like, hey, what's up, bro? And he looked and you know, he, he smiled big as hell. And he says, he said, Pinche homie, danger, what's up? <laughs> and I was like, damn, homie, Pinche, is that you a little happy? He said, Simon, homie. I was like, what happened, bro? And uh, he's telling me the story. He says, uh, says they offered me uh they offered me some time and I didn't take it. So they ended up giving me fucking uh, 25 with an L. I'm doing 25 to, uh, to life right now. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, we're the same age. He says, I know, bro. He says, value your time, bro. And I was like, Simon, and uh, I'm sitting there. It got quiet for a second. And he says, you see the homeboy right there? I was like, yeah. He says, no, he, he gets out right after you. I said, damn, for real, when does he get out? He says, 2048. And I look at him. I said, what? He says, yeah, that's the homie Chugi because I'm 2048. That's the homie Valencia. He ain't never going home. You see that homie right there? He ain't never going home. You see me? I might never go home either, homie. Value your time. And I remember, like, 
to these guys, seven years is nothing, bro. Yeah. It's like, to these guys, seven years is like, nah, It's like home. a blink. Yeah. 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 Like, you'll be all right. Yeah. And it was just, to me, that that really set my set my mind state to, you really have to take this in, bro. Yeah. It, I think that's what made me grow up in prison. Like, I came to a point, like, this is a moment in your life where you have to learn. And I was like, I got in that mind state. And I think just seeing the homeboy, they're happy. It showed me the end of what I could have been mm-hmm. and what I am now and what he wants to be. And the, the letter that he sent me told me, says, I want you to live for me, for I shall not live no more. I want you to love for me, for I cannot love no more. And I want you to be free for me, because I shall not see freedom ever again. And that's the last letter he wrote me before I, like, I came home. Mm-hmm. And like now, like I'll be cruising. Like, no, something when I cruise with you, bro, yeah. I'll be chilling with the homeboy, man. Like, I get this thing like, I was in prison, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm cruising. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with the homeboy cruising, listening to music. And then I, I close my eyes and I picture at this time right now, I would have been in a cell, sitting yeah. there watching TV with a cup of coffee in my hand, waiting for tomorrow. And now that I'm in tomorrow, I'm like, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I'm at in life to where I'm trying to navigate life right now, bro. Yeah. That's the cool thing that it's like open for you now. Yeah. To a certain degree, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like now it's just decide to do something that you actually like, something that, and so like the future's open for you. Yeah, especially yeah. Like, being out right now. I mean, well, 23, right? Yep. You're 23, you're 15. I mean, at that time, you're you're hitting um, homecoming, you're hitting, you know, your senior year, you're getting ready for your senior pictures, you're getting ready to to turn 18 you're getting ready to get your driver's license you're getting you're learning how to cook you're learning how to do all that stuff like you're, you're you got your first job you got your first date your first kiss i mean that's the type of stuff you're getting ready for but i mean that's out here in a, in a regular society but being in, in in the in the system i mean how what did what did you learn i mean did, did you were you able to actually like besides your ged were you able to like learn how to like um like balance your your money did you learn how to like uh i mean you said you did wood shop did yep. you did you learn how to like build stuff or did you yep. like is there anything that you were able to learn in there and bring it out like right now are you able to like go go apply for a certain job or is it are you struggling to like adapt to to that the the only thing i'm struggling to adapt is like uh being around people you know mm-hmm. like oh uh, i think uh when, once I finished the wood, wood shop program, you know, I feel very confident in myself. Like, I got something that I can work on you know, once mm-hmm. I'm out. Mm-hmm. They did two years. They taught me everything. So and, uh, when I came out here, like, uh, I applied for a job. They gave it to me right away. I was like, well, that's what's up. Yeah. And uh, I started doing this job, and, like, something didn't feel right. I know how to do this. I can do it. It's just, it, it. Something don't feel right. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what's off? Like, something's wrong. Like, what's going on? And I realized, like, I'm not doing what I love to do. And like um, in prison, all I would do, I would draw. Mm-hmm. Every single day I would draw, I would draw, I would draw. And when uh, my homeboy Frankie, you know, man, he rest in peace. He uh, Once he started showing me how to tattoo, I think he he opened the door to to where my to where I want my future to be. Yeah. So once I started tattooing in prison, I got hooked, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I got, I got addicted. I think I showed you the papers. Like, yeah. I sent him a picture of the paper. Every time I went to segregation... It was a disfiguration. It's called tattooing. That's what tattooing is. Oh, okay. Alteration, disfiguration of the body. That's what they call tattooing in prison. Mm-hmm. So I think I went to the hole about eight or nine times just for tattooing. 
And it started with the first one was 30 days. So you go to the, to the segregation. It's a room with no window, nothing. You're just in that room. It's like jail in prison. Mm -hmm. So this is the jail. So it started with 30 days. I was like, cool, I can do 30 days. Second time, it's 60 days. Oh, I can do 60 days. <laughs> then it goes 120 days, <laughs> 240 days. So it kept stacking up. And uh, I think the most time I did it in the hall, I think like, it was like 180 some days, 176 days I did in segregation. Dang, just right under six months. Yeah, like right under six months. And like, I was in that cell by myself, bro. And like, uh, nothing, bro. I would read a book and like, I would start reading this book, let's say at nine o'clock at night, I'll be done by six o'clock in the morning. And I'll eat, go to sleep, eat, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. And I kept doing that. And like, I was young at the time, bro. I was real young. So like, my mind started like changing itself to this schedule. Mm -hmm. of segregation so when i got out of segregation i felt like segregation made me a more uh like a more dangerous uh person with a more dangerous mentality because i realized that's the worst that can happen to me go there you got me fucked up yeah <laughs> yeah like that's the worst that could happen i realized that was my mentality as a kid and like oh what's the worst that can happen go to prison and then i'm in prison like, what's the worst that can happen go to the hole um, now that i'm out i'm like the worst that can happen is I go back to prison. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's now a, my mind has matured a lot, but I think it's it's way different to people out here, bro. So is that what you're doing now, tattooing or not yet? I just uh, a few days ago I was having a conversation with a with a friend of mine, Brittany, and she asked me like, "Are you gonna tattoo? Like, what are you doing?" Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about it. I said, like, "I think I'm gonna order a tattoo, and it's time." Mm -hmm. So like a couple of days ago, I got on Amazon and ordered my like my first tattoo gun. I think it should get here tomorrow. They said Monday the 19th. That's crazy to think that now you might get paid for this in instead of yeah. being punished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for that, that's, yeah, it must be a, like a huge... That's also a good motivator. Like now yeah. I can actually do it without getting in without trouble. Fear yeah. Of, yeah. So have you ever thought about... Because usually tattoo artists, they'll go and apprentice under somebody else right. just so you, you can get the... <laughs> Uh, how not to hurt someone, right, how, right, you know, right. things like that. Yeah. Is that something you're planning on, on, on looking for? Cause yeah, that's because I, I really want to to do everything the right way, yeah. you know. So, like, uh, I want to take an apprenticeship. I want someone to really teach me with the same style that I learned. Because mm -hmm. I learned with just in prison, we didn't have colors. Mm -hmm. So that's how West Coast tattooing started all black and gray, black and white, black and gray. Yeah. So that's how it was in prison. So I fell in love with the, with the black and gray tattoo scene. And uh, now that I'm out here, it's like, I see all these tattoo artists, but they're doing all these colors, and I don't understand yeah. all of that. So I think it, I have to find the right person to teach me. And uh, Yeah, I think that would be the best way. Just uh, There's a lot of people who do like the home stuff, right? Right. And it's cool and all, but you you run the risk of hurting somebody. You run the yeah. risk of... Uh, and you miss out on a lot of uh, different styles yeah. that you can do. Right. Yeah, because that's, yeah. one, one, that's one thing I'd ask him. I'm like, well, I'm like, obviously, it's a tattoo. You can't remove it. Yeah. I'm like, what what happens if they see it? So that, and that's one thing he said that they were more concerned about. Not really that. I mean, it's more that, that they don't want you to get infected. They don't want you to get a mm -hmm. uh, MRSA. Yeah, okay. there's a lot of people getting MRSA for dirty tattoos in prison. Yeah. So in prison, like, uh, let's say I like I gave you a tattoo, right? And a couple of days go by, and the COs say you didn't have that last week. Come here. Mm -hmm. They will pour peroxide on you, and if it bubbles up, they'll take you to the hole. But if it's clean, like that's nothing bubbles up, like it's closed, completely healed. Yeah. They'll probably just they yelled at us a couple of times and went back to the cell. That was about it. <laughs> so it was more infection control infection because it's so close quarters. Yeah, I, I gotta go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, um, why did you guys keep going? This is like super interesting. I wish I could stay more. <laughs> yeah. I, I have something to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm gonna keep talking. Uh, yeah. 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 I, have, uh, I have to leave. Um, 
it was great meeting you. Like, Thank hopefully you, you can do it again with oh, him. Oh, because oh, I have a lot of questions for him. Because yeah, I mean, we, you were in Saint Anthony. I know somebody that yeah, yeah works yeah. there. So because I mean, your your story has been great, but uh, Jesus has to go. Uh, Thank yeah, you. I have to do coming. something with my son, and Yo, so for sure. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm gonna keep talking to him. Yeah, 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 yeah he's yeah, gotta yeah, keep keep talking to you guys. Thank you for having me on again, Edgar, and I'll be back this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. So okay, see you guys. See ya. So yeah, there you go. All right, see you, Jesus. Thanks for coming, dude. I'll see you later. So. Yeah, that's what I would recommend is, like, doing it the right way. Some people don't like to go and, like, be under somebody or learn. Right. But that's the best way. Like, me, yep. I always surround myself with people who are smarter than me, mm -hmm. know more than me, because you can always learn. Yep. Something that I, I always tell everybody, you become the average of the five people you hang around with the most. Yep. Uh, a lot of successful mm -hmm. people say that. Yeah. So surround yourself with people who are, like, motivated to see you grow or also do the same thing. So being in a tattoo shop. Yep. Even though you're going to be like uh, an apprentice, yep. it's totally worth it. I know you know Carmelo as well. Mm -hmm. he, yeah. he went through the whole thing. Th those two uh, prints up there are by Carmelo. Oh, yeah. Same yeah, way. He did it the right way. Now he's yep. blowing he's up, blowing dude. Up. I don't Man, know if you've ever seen incredible. it. He's incredible. Because he, the thing he does the most, which I admire, he never stops learning. Yep. And what I mean by that, he goes to conventions. He mm -hmm. learns from other people. He asks questions. Yep. He's not afraid to be critiqued. You know, and mm -hmm. the same thing goes for like media. Like, uh, I'm always learning, always learning things like mm -hmm. that. So, I highly recommend going through like the apprentice, right. you know what I mean? Yep, so that, that'd be the best way, especially because you're fresh out. Yep, you don't want to go back, you don't want to, like you said earlier, you don't want to disappoint your mom. Yep, because I, I think that would be pretty bad. I, I remember in the beginning when I first started this, like the whole media stuff, yep, my parents didn't understand. They're old school, Hispanic. They're like, yeah. they seem like a waste of time. Yeah, they're like, go out here and get a real job. You right. know what I mean? But then, like, everything changed. I started showing my mom's the checks, like, that I was getting. Right. And she's like, now she's bragging about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now she's like, yeah, my son does this. Like, he's over here doing that. Yeah. And that feels good. Yeah. At first, you know, I had to go through that whole phase in the beginning. Right. But it's totally worth it at the end. So that's why apprenticeship, dude, goes a long way. I, I see these people with like their home tattoos and stuff like right. that, but that's not wanting to grow. Right. That's yeah. not wanting to to build that, and that that's what I want for you, right. especially after going through all that. Yeah. You know, you, you gotta, you know, like you said, you learn, you like to learn, and right. you like to keep growing, mm -hmm. and that's the best way, dude. You're still so young, bro. Yeah, that's what, that's what <laughs> I was gonna say. I'm like at 23. I'm 28 years old, and if I could really go back at 23 years old, you know, my oldest son was two years old at the time, and I mean. Uh, there's a lot like he said earlier like yeah you know what was the sentence justified i'm like i mean the stuff i've done too i'm like i'm like dang like you know what like i wouldn't change a thing because it did form me to who i am now yeah exactly. i mean the mistakes like it, it was just like it sucked at the moment but mm -hmm. like it just formed me yeah it, uh, and i like how you mentioned that earlier that you don't regret anything or you wouldn't change anything because i remember i'm 32 now okay back when i was like 20 dude i was wild i wasn't doing shit i wasn't like i was doing dumb shit i was just working a regular job right and i tell people they're like oh uh would you change anything You'd be like no because i was the dumbass then which made me learn now like mm -hmm. right. right now i invest i have like uh there's like real estate that i'm getting involved in i have my media company right and that, that and i tell them like you have to learn that you know what i mean like you have to go through that mm -hmm. and I, people are going to listen to this and they're going to be inspired by your story you know, I, I get it all the time. Like, right. it, it sucks that I can't send the people who get on here all the messages. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> hey, like, thanks for having this person. Like, that really inspired me. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the James James's podcast, the one he was on. 
Mm-hmm. He went through super young too. Mm-hmm. He, he's been through the system, like his uh, CPS, Child Protective Services. Mm-hmm. He he has brothers. His dad wanted to fight him, told him that he wasn't going to be shit in life. What? And like he he yeah. like teared up bad. But people hearing that story really inspired like them. You yeah, know, yeah. I, yep. I had messages. I I tried sending them all of them. Uh-huh. Like hey, like. Thanks for having them on. Like that's really inspiring, especially to the younger generation because yep. you're still really young, mm-hmm. twenty three years old. Like you got a whole lot, like lot of life to live. I try to right. motivate my younger brother. He's eighteen, mm-hmm. and he just likes to play video games. Like which is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's so much you can do out here, <laughs> yeah. especially like picking up. Like even if it wasn't the the woodworking, right? You you said that wasn't. It didn't feel right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I felt that same way with my old job. It just didn't feel right. Like I didn't. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do this. Like, right. this is not me. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know why I decided to buy a camera. Don't know why. You just did it. I just did it. Yeah. A few years later, I have my own media company. I have my own Dang. podcast, which is blowing up, which is wild to me. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm still like, the fuck? And people are like messaging me like, hey, like I love the episodes and uh, we're in over 16 countries now. Like, you know, it's yeah. yeah. wild. Like to me, like, I just love doing this. I love hearing like stories like yourself because- right. mm-hmm. That helps motivate myself. You know what I mean? Like now I'm like, fuck, like I hope somebody hears this. I hope somebody like yeah. uh, is like, hey, let's let's do something. Like, you know, right. he we're still young. It doesn't matter what age you're at, like you can yep. still try to do something. Yeah. Take any type of skill that you learn. Yep. So is that what you're planning on doing now? Is uh tattooing? Is that is, yeah, that's is that the goal. That's where uh I think I got like a like an eye opening experience really. Uh I had a I got this job in a Jackson bro and oh, yeah, I posted yeah. in Jackson. I get this job in Jackson Hole for like twenty bucks. I'm like, man, that's better. I was just getting paid seventeen. Yeah. Same thing I'm doing too. So I've never driven in the snow before, and it's <laughs> snowing, bro. I've never been in the snow the before. Last week when the when the storm uh, hit, yeah. and it's worse up up towards Jackson. Yeah, I told bad. him that, and he's not. Well, he's not from here. And yeah. he doesn't, he's not familiar with the roads or the weather. And I told him like, ah, man, you better just be careful. Like, you ever driven in the snow? I mean, it always dawns on me because I'm like, I always try to like. Rem- I mean, I, I try to compare him to me because I'm like. Oh, if you've ever driven in the snow, I'm like, but damn, I, I keep forgetting. He's 23 years old, seven year sentence. I mean, he was just a, a juvenile when, yeah. he, you know, he probably wasn't even driving. He probably was, you know, there's so much in life that he didn't even experience that. Mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, yeah. So, that, but, yeah, that, that drive, probably one of the scariest moments of my life. <laughs> I'm going down the pass and like, I'm going oh. down the pass and like, I try to hit the brake, you know, because the car, a lot of cars slowing down. I start sliding down and it's 18 wheelers, like, coming up the hill and i'm sliding right towards it and i'm just like bracing like i'm about to get it he's bracing too like you can tell like yeah he's about to hit and i don't know like i hit the patch of ice where i caught a little bit of grip i caught it just in time to where the truck just passes by i barely miss it and i land on the snowbank and like that moment like i'm not doing this (laughs) i'm not risking my (laughs) life every day for this job yeah yeah. and i just i pulled over i called my mom i was like i I can't do this she's like why i'm not this isn't for me she's like What's wrong? Are you okay? I tell her. She's like, come home. She just come home right now. Mm-hmm. I got home, and that's when she kind of re- sat there, and she's all like, so how much are tattoo guns? I think my mom, like, she she knows. Yeah. I think parents know what when you're trying to find yourself, I guess. Yeah. And once she asked me, like, so how much are these tattoo guns? I think that's what, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do what I want, what I love to do. Not yeah, yeah and especially, you know, now that they're older, how I see it in my perspective is that, like, you know, how he said his mom was independent. You know, she mm-hmm. she lost her husband, raising five kids, and then I mean, now she's like realizing that I mean, with her being more involved in her son's life and actually like 
pushing him to what he really wants to yeah. do she knows that she can make an impact in his life yeah. and i mean him being so young as well like she just doesn't want to lose his son again yeah her son she doesn't want to lose her son again either to the streets to a jail cell or to a grave she just wants to see him get lost and in, into something that he really loves and that that will you know he'll he'll blossom from rather than you know not being able to hug him yeah yeah did you did you happen to keep like the the paintings and stuff that you were drawing in oh prison? yeah i even got my tattoo gun <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i got a prison yeah, yeah. tattoo gun they let was, you take it no i, no, I was like, hiding it uh no. in somebody's cell and uh no, it's corona and i told him i was like hey, i need my tattoo gun back he said you're going home just buy one in the street i'm gonna get my tattoo gun, bro. i'm taking that home yeah so i still got it i showed it sent it to him uh, I, I was telling him you and somebody else right that i had the tattoo gun still and I went home and I ended up getting like, cause I have a big box from my prison that I got released with. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I still got my tattoo. And I took yeah. it out and I showed it to him. And I was like, that's, I think I'm a framing. That's like, oh, yeah. that's it's, where I learned yeah. the first thing. It's, especially like, since you want to do that, like I always tell people dream big. So like yeah. th- that could be framed up and in your shop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you open up a shop. This is where it started. Yeah. Like <laughs> that should be the goal for everybody. Everyone's like, oh, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just tattoo for somebody. No, like. Man, dude, the sky's the limit. Me, I plan on having the biggest podcast ever. Yeah. And then having the biggest media company ever. Like, that's it. Just like, say it's going to happen. Yeah, say your standards high. That's yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that. They set themselves short. But if you do everything the right way, it, it seems like you're not focused on that old lifestyle that you were nah, involved man. in. Because you don't want to go back. Like, and I mean, even though you did come out to a weird time, yeah. it, trust me, it's weird for us. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. the whole quarantine shit. Uh, so when you went in, was there a lot of social media? Nah, kind of. I mean, the the most social media I ever used was Facebook. Okay, like that's that was 2013. Like, I come out and there's Snapchat, TikTok, <laughs> Instagram. Instagram, Twitter, all these these things. And like, my sister, like the the day I get out, my sister, you know, she hands me the phone. Like, I've never had an iPhone before, so she hands <laughs> me this phone. She's like, "Oh, here, your passcode is blah 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 blah." I'm all like, "All right, I get in the car and." I didn't know what to do with You're it. Like this phone got, don't got no buttons. <laughs> yeah, like, what do, do I do you, with this? Like, what do you do with this? It yeah. was it was a trip. Like, but like my mom's all like, uh, uh, you know, we're driving uh, from Oshkosh to Racine to one of my cousin's house, and like, uh, it's about like an hour and a half drive. So the whole hour and a half, you know, like, I logged onto my Facebook, mm-hmm. and I went all the way down to the day I got locked up to October thirteenth to my timeline, and like, uh, I'm scrolling up and I'm, I'm looking through all this stuff, and it was just. The day I got locked up, my Facebook just went dead. I'm like, damn, like, yeah, that's weird. It, it got me mad. Yeah. It got me mad. Like, how like, everybody before, like, two days before I got locked up, everybody's hitting me up. I'm getting a bunch of likes, a bunch of this, a bunch of that. My sister puts that I'm locked up. It's dead. Like, dang. What? Like, I felt bogus. Yeah. yeah. And, like, there was only a few people that stuck around. And, like, out of all the people, bro, there's, like, a thousand some people that on my Facebook, bro, out of all those people, only three or four of them came to see me in prison the whole seven years and like those four people junior chris kristen david their friends like that i love and i uh, got a lot of respect for them because they went to see me at least once a month like without a fail yeah like they were friends like they came to visit me at least once a month they would put money on my books and like once my mom got cancer like i found out my mom had cancer in prison like junior was the one that told me like he told me like hey you like you know, your mom is sick your mom has cancer yeah and like uh, at that moment, I look like you're a real ass friend, bro. Yeah. Like this is the last year I'm in prison, and you're still here. And like uh, the same people, those are the people that I last seen before I got locked up. Those were the people that were with me when I was locked up. Yeah. 
And now that I'm out here, those were the first people that I seen when I got out. So like uh my uh my definition of friends, you know, changed. Oh yeah. Like it it, it becomes like a lot of people you can call somebody your friend, but once you really get to know them or once you really say like I wanna kick it with dude, yeah. like that's when you realize that's that's gonna be one of your friends. And like with them, it was never like uh they benefit from me or yeah. I benefit from yeah. them. They could have just stopped talking to me and not wasted their money to come see me, not wasted their money to put money for my canteen or for my phone. Yeah. But they did it, you know? And that's that's a lot of respect. And when I asked him, like, hey, why did you do that, bro? He's like, because I know you would do it for me too. Yeah. I'm like, dang, that's what's up. Yeah, and and it's hard to find. I mean, it took that to learn because I, I remember, like, you can know a bunch of people, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. But there's only, like, a handful of people who got your back. Yep. And and it sucks because a lot of people will actually screw those people over. You know what I mean? Like yep. the ones that are like ride or die, like and you know what I mean. And it's lucky that you got to see who's actually like, right. mm-hmm. like you said, solid with you. Like yep. got your back no matter what. And yep. it's hard to find those, and it sucks that you had to go through that in order yeah. to find them. But those you gotta hold on to those. Yeah, guys sometimes that's get. that's what you gotta do is have to have to go through some really hardships to really understand who is gonna be there and who's yeah. not. You know, because as soon as it gets bad for some people, you can see like people just like just drift. Yeah. They just drop. They just yeah. yeah. They just drop you like nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I noticed. And like uh, uh, I posted a I, I was talking to my sister like probably like three weeks before I get released, and I was like, hey, because uh, we had core links that like you can write emails from prison to so to like your phone mm-hmm. and like uh. So I sent my sister an email. I was like, hey, post this on my Facebook. And it's a post saying, like, I've been in prison since 2013. If you were a friend of mine or if I went to school with you or whatever, you know, reach out to me and, like, you know, get get to know me again. You know, I'm about to get out. I get, like, 80-some likes in a matter of two days and, like, a bunch of messages. And I just got more mad. <laughs> I just told my sister. I was like, bro, just don't, don't get on Facebook no more. She's like, why? I was like, bro, all these people could at least wrote me once. Yeah. And it would have made a whole difference. But they couldn't even spend 27 cents on a stamp and 10 minutes of their time to write me, hey, I hope you've been doing good. Take care. Yeah. See you soon. And that goes a long way for you. A long way, bro. You know, they don't realize that those like, the most it's going to take you is like 10 minutes or 10 like minutes. even that, yeah. if that, you know, just to send you something to them, it means so much more than those 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. Like That like, oh, this person wrote to me like they're thought about me. Oh, you get a high the whole day, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember you getting get mail all the time. It was just, it, it, it's it's cool. Like, it's such Feels a better. good feeling. It doesn't matter who it is. It's a really good feeling because, I mean, you know that somebody out there is actually thinking of you, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, they can't call in. So, I mean, you can call out. And if they don't want to talk to you, they won't answer your call. Yeah. I mean, a letter, you can't deny a letter. And then when you do get one, it's, you know, it's it's a good feeling. It's You know that you're still important. You know that. I mean, that people are out there still thinking about you yeah. at least. And have ha- have you started an IG page for your like tattoos, drawings? No, nah, bro. Like I, the only pages I had, uh, I ended up like opening a TikTok. <laughs> I opened a TikTok like uh, a few weeks ago, and like uh, like at four in the morning, I just because uh, I have the video of me walking out of prison, with, mm-hmm. like literally walking out of prison. Man, I I put it on there, I put a song over it, and I just posted it. And I'm not really thinking nothing of it. I go to sleep and I woke up in the morning at twenty seven thousand views and like Shit. I had like four thousand followers. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I go wake my sister up. I was like, bro, check this out. And she starts laughing and she gets mad. She's like, how in the hell did you just get out of prison, bro, yeah. and get all these followers that I only got four? <laughs> <laughs> you, you should really use that. Like, yeah. uh, 
because spreading like i have some people who are um, also gonna are afraid to come on right just because there's like this girl she's been through like an abusive relationship i was like but your story helps people right like like Mm -hmm. yours somebody's gonna be hearing this that like maybe they're going down the wrong path like like, he just spent seven years and you're like it sucked you know what i mean or like before they even get into trouble, you know, like mm-hmm. or somebody that also got out is also struggling to to find their path. Yeah. If if you get on there and just like talk about like your story on there, just right. small little clips, be like, hey, like this this is happened. It's not work. You know. Right. Motivate people. Right. You can grow that thing huge, and then it's also going to help your your tattoo like business right. as well too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's something that I think that's why a lot of people see that and they appreciate that. You know what I mean? Because like right. you're like, damn, like. He, this dude just served seven years and he went in when you, you said you were 15 yep. like that if people n- know that it, it like i don't know why it's like more it, well it's 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 inspiring it's motivational because yeah. i mean if people come out from a situation like that at 15 years old you get a ser- uh, you know involved in a serious crime like that and you go to prison mm-hmm. you don't just go to a juvenile correction center oh, yeah. you go to actual prison as an as a juvenile it's done. Like you're not gonna get out of the system. You you're done. Like you're you're gonna be tied in because of the, 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 how the way you know the the movement in prison is and how how it is. You you have to um, really be down to it. Or yeah. if not, you're gonna have a hard time in prison. They're gonna just push you around. Yeah. I mean, and and, and so if you, uh, being a youngster going in there at that, that young age, you, that's that's all you're gonna know. Mm-hmm. That's all you're gonna know. You're all you're gonna know is how to. You know, hustle, you know, lunch trays, how to hustle, you know, desserts, how to, you know, get your money, how to tattoo, how to, you know, send kites, how to, you know, uh, do all sorts of stuff in prison. That's all they're going to know. And that's all they're going to want to learn. Yeah. You know, and and, then most and then so hearing something like that from coming from him is it's nice because like not everybody gets that opportunity. Not, Not everybody gets to commit a crime that he did. Well, the more the people that committed a crime like similar to his. They can. They're not sitting outside of the bars the telling their story. Yeah. They're they're in there telling other people their story, yeah. which is cool because hopefully like it'll help prevent people who are around like fifteen right mm-hmm. now or even younger think about it. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, he had asked me, he's like, no, what do you what do you like? What do you want to talk about when you're on there? Like the whole thing, I kept going back to like uh, when I was a kid. If any, if somebody that looked like me, that dressed like me that talk like me, or to come up to me and be like, in a few years you're going to be in prison, your mom's going to be fighting cancer, there's going to be a pandemic in the world, it's going to be, it's not going to be what you expect. Mm-hmm. Change your life right now. I would have changed my life immediately. Yeah. So now that uh, I remember being, when I was in a single cell, uh, I was in a single cell because I was working you know, for the wood shop. They gave me a cell by myself, a worker cell. And I was sitting there and I was like, why would somebody not help kids get away from this? Says more mostly you hear them pushed in, being brought oh, in. Yeah. You never hear somebody say, "No, stop. We're gonna help you, or we're gonna guide you." And I think uh, I found my, my purpose in life is, is starting to un, un, like unveil itself to where I feel like I want to help at least. If I get one kid to at least say, "This life ain't for me," yeah. I think I would be very satisfied with with my time and with the time that I did because I think now that I did all this bad, I gotta I gotta use it for good. Yeah, and and that's good the the way you, that you think like that. You know what I mean? Like not a lot. Some people get right out of jail, back to the back. streets. Yeah, I mean it doesn't right. take much. It doesn't take long. Yeah, and especially 
luckily enough, like, I think this is your path because you got out, you got a job right away. Some people have a hard time finding a job. Right. Some people can't draw or not, mm-hmm. don't do well with tattoos. Right. So, like, you're given, like, they're pretty much saying, like, you got to do this. Yeah, like, they're giving you all the tools you need to They're giving you all the tools right. to succeed. So, um, not everyone gets that. Right. So, I, I think that really is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be helping people, helping these the kids not to go in. Because right. that's seven years you're not going to get back. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, you could have been out here uh, doing something different. Uh, you could be in college right now. You, you could have graduated by now. Graduated college. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm glad that I feel like that you feel that way. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, yeah. I love it when, like, I have a bunch of kids who message me and they're like, "Hey, like, I want, I love what you're doing. Like, I love the hustle." Right. Me, that inspires me to like keep right. doing it, yeah, keep, keep doing, doing this, it. yeah, like keep doing it because they, they, it's nowadays not every, not every role model is the greatest. I mean, and I mean, if you can inspire kids to really like believe in themselves, oh yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, and and I mean, unfortunately, sometimes it's it's that inspiration is coming from somebody who. Have, done so many mistakes like yeah. and their, their mistakes are just like their their perfections mm-hmm. i guess like you know yeah because they can t- turn around and like they're, they're just wise you know they're just wise in general mm-hmm. yeah so like i said like as said like I, hopefully like i want to see where you're at in, okay. like, in about like five to six months right because i want you guys to come back I want you to see where you're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said that, I mean, we'll get to know your story yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. more. We're already like an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> in. You know what I mean? So like, right. th- this is great. You know what I mean? Like yeah, people can learn, you know, and then all, also can see your progress, like where right. you're at in six months. That way, like even now you're like, well, shit, like I got to do something in like six months because I'm right. not going to come back and have like thousands of people listen to me again. Right. And I'm not doing anything. You know, and then, and yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, like if you guys want to write him, he's in. You know? <laughs> like nah, like yeah. yeah like, see, <laughs> I would dread if I heard that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd be like, hey, like uh, maybe I didn't see you start a page or something. I'd be like, hey, where, where's he at, man? He got locked up again. That I would be like, damn. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. there's a lot of people who are gonna hear this and are gonna be inspired by it. Right. So hopefully this motivates you. Yeah. And, like, in like six months, be like, mm-hmm. okay, like I have to be here. Right. When set I go set back. some goals, like yeah. put it out there. That right. way, when I go back, and now you inspire even more people. Like, dude, he did that in six months. Yeah. Yep. He came in, did this podcast like two months after he got out. Then you know, six, six months, months later. later, he you know he there's all these you know these goals that he accomplished and yeah, just yeah. Like, stuff like that. I mean, it's just it's just about growing up, growing yeah. up, and just like setting all these all these goals, what you really want to accomplish, and I yep. mean, are you really gonna do it? Bottom yeah. line is, are you gonna do it? And I mean, there's so many listeners right now that they're they're gonna anticipate it too i mean they're they're gonna they're, they're gonna wait oh, they'll check back in like, right because i mean it's so. just like anybody else like they'll set expectations on you as well yeah, like they're yeah. gonna be like okay motherfucker like you better do it like, yeah, <laughs> like especially they're gonna be like he got a second chance let's see if he like takes that second yep. chance yep you know what i mean so yeah. so i'm telling you when you come back in like six months i better see some 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 approval i mean uh, you're you gonna see something man. i already <laughs> see the the motivation and the determination it like in you so i'm, I'm pretty sure you know, it's going to be that. And it's also good for you, like, to have those, like, short-term girls right. to keep you on track. Mm-hmm. And, like, not to avoid, like, all this other shit. Yeah, and, distractions Yeah, and all, all these that. distractions. I know girls are, like, it, <laughs> girls are going to come into play. Don't let them dis- distract you, bro. I feel you. Like, yeah. girls, they'll, they'll distract you real easy. Yeah, right? ladies, yeah. stay away. <laughs> stay away. We're I mean, working. We're working. <laughs> yeah. That, that, let them we be. clocked in 24-7. Yeah. For real. I mean, it's it's good to have fun. Yeah, like, hell with yeah. some girls, but... Don't let them. Uh, yeah, take, take us away from. Yeah, take 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 our eyes off the prize. No, I mean, I've been. Uh, 
I've been real focused lately, man. Uh, like right now, like uh, I keep looking at your your symbol, Mescla of Moguls, and like one day you're gonna see me, man. I yeah, know, yeah. I know what you're gonna tell me. I'm gonna be sitting here with the with the tattoo magazine. That I, I told you, man. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> what, I know I what I'm telling you. That's I what I'm thinking right now. Like magazines, like you tattooing some big people, uh, your own shop. Yeah. Like this is everything that I see for you. Like and then. Later on down the road, be like, damn, dude, I, I remember when I talked to him yeah. when he would just got out. And now look at him. Yeah. And that should be the goal. And like, I'm glad that you think like that. Not a, not a lot of people have that self-motivation to, yeah. to, to do that. You know, right. people ask me, like, how do I do like what I do? Because like, I love it. And like, I just I don't know. It's a weird feeling. Like, you just want to do it. That's what I get no, from tattooing. Yeah, <laughs> nobody tells me. Go and edit these photos. Go and edit this video. Go like reach out, network. Nobody tells me to do it's that. Natural. Yeah, it just I just want to yep. do it. You know, and it, it it's hard to explain. I, I I think I can understand it. I I call it the law of attraction. Yeah, it's something true. when I when I was in jail and it was like 2007 when I first got introduced to it. I mean, in there when you're locked up, all you look or you have or you're holding on to is faith. Mm-hmm. That's all you're holding on to, honestly. Yeah. Your faith and your strength. So honestly, like I tried to open up the Bible. It was hard. Like I didn't know. I didn't grow up religious. So I yeah. ca- I cannot force myself to try to understand something that I know. I mean, I looked around. Everybody was happy. They were like, I wanted to be in their shoes. I wanted. I was tired of being sad and depressed. And and I mean, they they gave the, the faith. And so like when I I got introduced to the secret and to the law of attraction, like mm. man, my my everything. Like you know, I was telling you like you you attract what, what you know you oh, exactly. you know yeah like like your way of thinking your your thoughts your actions everything has you know they all they, they all go together and so like you know if you you bring about you think oh you bring about what you think about i'll go see you yeah, know something like that. you know yeah. it's, it's just it's just the law of attraction and once you understand that you understand how you attract a lot of things to you like you can bring health wealth love anything oh, yeah. to you and just because of that and so that was my faith i, I, li- I relied on mm-hmm. that it inspired me so much where I was just like, dang, you know, I'm like, I want this. I want this car. I want I'm going to have this car. Yeah. I have this car. And I just imagine myself in it and just imagine myself there. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, I'm, I get people who like uh, they help me get there. Yeah. I attract this certain person. And I'm not just only attracting a certain person that's going to get me there to that car. I'm, I'm attracting people who are going to be a distraction, people who are going to get me away from that car. So that's when I start realizing who, yeah. you know, I'm attracting yeah. all this positive, negative, positive. But then, you know, when I start noticing the positive, get rid of the negative, And then yeah. next thing you know, I am in that car. Yeah. yeah. And that's really cool. One book that really changed my mindset on everything. I don't know if you guys ever read it. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Nope. That's I've a, heard of it. It's a book you guys should definitely, uh, even if you, I do audio books all the time. Right. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm telling you, that shit changed the way I think completely. Mm-hmm. Just because the way they t- he talks about how uh, middle class keep mi- making middle class moves. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, So like, we reach out to, uh, like, say your parents, but they're middle class. Like, how are they going to teach you about financing and right. investing? If they don't do it. Right. But like, I'm serious. Like, listen to the book, read it. It's even on YouTube. Like, if you don't want to pay for Audible and stuff, that's yeah. where I heard it first. They have the whole audiobook there. You okay. can listen to it, change your mindset completely, especially like in what you're trying to get into right. as well. Cause it doesn't have to be just like investing and stuff. It's just like mindset stuff. Right. So take a listen to that. Um, like I said, we're definitely going to have you guys back on for sure here soon. Probably you a little bit sooner because mm-hmm. I know you have a whole different story. You're out here traveling, like doing mm-hmm. well before COVID. Like, yeah, but you, well, I mean, I'm I still am. I mean, 
I, I go wherever I want. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm always. We just got back from Phoenix over there. Yeah, and I know crazy. you got some stories. So some crazy <laughs> stories. And last week Phoenix was crazy. I yeah, mean, see, it's it's cool being on tour life. And we're gonna get there. Yeah. So, but like again, dude, seriously, like your sure. your story was crazy. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like he yeah, told yeah. me it was a crazy story, but I was ex- I wasn't expecting that. You know that, level mean, like, that level of crazy, that level of crazy, like yeah. cartel, drive-by shooting, yeah. like, uh, betrayal, like everything. You know, <laughs> no, it's, it's, what, it's what you would read in a book. Yeah, it's what yeah. you, you know, it's like a like a script line. Like, man, it's crazy. It's like, yeah. like and, listening to conejos, the conejos, <laughs> conejos yeah. stories, man. Yeah, and then like you getting out, and now like we're in your you're now. You know, like you're trying to be better. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and which is, oh, I love it. You know, yeah. so hopefully we'll get you back on in like six months for sure. That way we can see where you're at and like mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, just later on, just share your page with me. I'll, yeah, for I'll, sure, share, for sure. I'll share it to people mm-hmm. that way, like people can get to know you a for little sure. bit. And maybe some kids got questions for you, you know what I mean? I'm oh, yeah. down to answer whatever, man. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys, uh, Stay tuned. You know, we're definitely going to bring them back on. We're going to have Pedro back on. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to label that one Tour Life because I know he's got some wild stories <laughs> from, yeah. from traveling and doing all that stuff, too. So uh, thank you guys again for coming on. For sure. Man. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks and, for having us. Yeah. And thank Thanks. you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Cool.